Welcome to the Friday Men's Breakfast Podcast brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. In this week's lesson from the Book of Romans, Corwin Hammond, senior pastor of CBC World Ministry, shows us that our justification should lead to an outer demonstration of an inner regeneration in Christ. So open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5 and join us as we continue to see how God's righteousness for the unrighteous is revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you really want to just learn how to live a godly life, read Romans. The Gospels, absolutely, but if you really want to understand how to make this walk work, read the book of Romans. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you just cliff notes uh, from the uh, text that I have. It's verses 12 through 21, because uh, as I was reading it over again, I'm, I'm saying to myself, I could just take one verse and spend a whole day just dealing with one verse. But when, when Paul talks about the first Adam and the second Adam, he, he does a masterful job of really planting a seed in the mind of the believer to actually see the distinctions between what man does and what Christ does. And so the first Adam, when you look at it, says he's the first of his kind, where the second Adam, he's the first and only of his kind. The first Adam, he sin entered through the first Adam. Through the second Adam, God's remedy for mankind's sin came. Uh, the first Adam was disobedient to God. That's why the second Adam had to come so that he was obedient unto death. So his work, what he did on Calvary, totally got rid of sin for the believer. Okay, Through the first Adam, he brought about death through his sin. The second Adam brought about eternal life through, his, through salvation, through his act. Okay, First Adam, his actions resulted in the judgment and condemnation of God. The second Adam, his actions resulted in the mercy and justification of God. And that's what we want to talk about today, justification. And lastly, the first Adam, by his offense, judgment came to all men. The second Adam, by his righteous act, justification came to all men. Now, when, when I saw that he said the uh, amplification of justification or justification amplification, I just immediately went to look up words. I, I want to I give a clear understanding of what we're talking about. Now, the first definition of amplification is the process of increasing the volume of sound, especially using an amplifier. The second one would be the action of enlarging upon or adding detail to a story or statement. Now, can I ask you men to do me a favor? Can we all read that last one together? One, two, three. That's where we want to go. We want to make it more intense. We want to just really hammer it in so that when we walk out, we spiritually get it. Because the word of God, the word of God is intended to go beyond our flesh, to go beyond the touchy-feely and get down to the core, the heart, the spiritual heart of man, okay? Now, we talk about justification. I saw you guys had the definition, but let's look at it again. It's the process by which sinful human beings are made acceptable to a holy God. Justification is God's declaration that the demands of his law have been fulfilled in the righteousness of his son, Christ Jesus. It's what Jesus did. It's nothing that we can do to earn it, to acquire it, other than to accept by faith the finished work of Jesus Christ on, on Calvary's cross, okay? When God justifies, he charges the sin of man to Christ, 
and credits the righteousness of Christ to the believer. Now, I don't know about you, but that for me is one of the most phenomenal thoughts you could ever have. Knowing that I am just sinful by nature. David said I was born and shaped in iniquity and sin. And Christ, through his act, he takes my sin upon himself and gives me righteousness, even though I'm not righteous at all. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Can we read that together? One, two, three. Have you ever really thought about that? He made the one who did absolutely nothing, deserved not, none of what he received at Calvary, but he took him. And, and the Bible is powerful. It says that, that a lamb was slain from the foundation. So before you and I ever got in trouble, God the Father and God the Son had an agreement that the Son would come and redeem us because we may not know what we're going to do. God already knew. He wrote our story from the end backwards. We're just walking through the pages of what God have already set in place for our lives. Now, the amplification of justification. The amplification of justification becomes a realization through revelation and illumination. I love words. <laughs> I love words. And, and so we look at revelation. Can we read the definition of revelation together? One, two, three. God communicating through the Holy Spirit, meaning that we cannot understand God in our intellect. Amen. Now, we can read the word and get some comprehension. But the, the true essence of who God is, the triune God, it is communicated to man's spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just finished a, um, a five week series from um, Second Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter two. Five weeks I preached about the uh, mentality of a spiritual winner. Everything is spiritual because as believers, everything we encounter is spiritual. And if we would understand that, we would recognize that even when we encounter people, we're encountering spirits. So when I think about that and I run into a difficult person, I recognize that it's not the person, it's the spirit in the person. And any one of us spiritually can have an off day. It does not matter how holy you think you are. You can spiritually have an off day. Amen. Now, let's read the definition of illumination. One, two, three. The Holy Spirit, the one who leads us and guides us into all truth, who gives us all understanding. And, and I often tell our ministry, it does not matter your level of education. If you would surrender who you are to the Holy Spirit, he can teach you so much that it would completely confound the wise. And that's what the, that's what the word says, that for those who, who don't want to accept it, I'm paraphrasing, that it's kind of foolishness to them. Even some in the church, we say we're, we're Christians, but some of us are really not walking by faith. We're just we're just in church because in our mind, that's what good people do. But it goes much deeper than that. It's deeper. It's got to get. And, and the Bible tells us that the word of God, it's like a double edged sword. It's cutting through the flesh, through the bone and sinew. And once again, getting down to the heart of man. Now, that was more than just a play on words. 
Because revelation and illumination are critical to any discussion of justification, seeing that you can't earn it or work for it. Justification is a free spiritual gift that comes from God. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen. See, if we could work for it, if we could earn it, then some of us would say, look at what I did. But every one of us are just sinful men and, men and women in the flesh. And so we have to walk in humility and say, no, don't look at what I did. Look at what God did. I didn't deserve to be saved. I, I know the actions of my life and the sin in my life really re required the judgment of God. How I've lived and how I've acted in life, I really deserve what God says is his judgment. But because of his compassion, his grace and his mercy, I don't get judgment. Amen. I get salvation. And, and for me, man, that, that is what, that is what makes, wake, makes me get up in the morning with joy. Wake up in the morning excited about how God is moving in my life. I tell our church, uh, when I get up in the morning, I'm a miracle waiting to happen somewhere. Because I recognize how powerful the, the, the gift of salvation is moving in my life. Did any of you guys really recognize how powerful and wonderful it is to be saved? Amen. Amen. Romans 5 and 12, let's read that together. One, two, three, read. Because all have sinned and come fall short of the glory of God. And when we when we really get that in our spirit and I talk, that's all I talk about is the spirit. Because our salvation is not predicated on what we feel. It's based on who we know. Because if 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 I'm leaning on what I feel then there are days when I will not feel that God is with me. But even on my worst day, he's still there and he's still leading me and guiding me through. And, and so we have to look at that and go, we all have sinned. Now, when we really get that principle, we would stop judging other people. When we truly understand that, that I am no different than my brother who's not saved, I'm no different than my brother who's in church with me who may be struggling. I'll stop saying, well, look at what so-and-so is doing and have more compassion and be more prayerful for my brother and then want to come along beside him and walk with him and undergird him. Amen. Because the strong bear the infirmities of the weak. And that's what God's called us to do. So when we understand justification and salvation and, and, and the acts of Christ, uh, the Son of God, and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, we begin to have a more understanding, more loving, and more compassionate heart. Romans 5 and 15, and these are both from the Amplified Version. But the free gift of God is not like the trespass, because the gift of grace overwhelms the fall of man. For if many died by one man's trespass, Adam's sin, much more abundantly did God's grace and the gift that comes by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, 
overflowed to benefit many. Uh, Hunter, if you don't mind, let me know when my time is coming up. I got a lot of stuff here. I told you, look, I can take, I, can, I could have took one of those verses and just spent a whole day with it. But, but by one man's, by one man's action, by one man's disobedience, we are all sinners. But also by one man, by Christ, by his actions, we are all redeemed. We're all counted in the beloved of God through Christ Jesus. Now, isn't it, isn't it amazing that I think about babies and children and, and isn't it amazing that, that a toddler doesn't need to be taught to misbehave? It's just, it's just in him. It's just in her. It, it's, it's like my, one of my grandsons when he was small and my boys were the same way. We could be in the kitchen and, and we could tell them, don't go near the stove. And then they'll look around and sneak over by the stove and, and then we go hot. They go ha 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 hot. And they, and they don't realize how hot it is until they do what? Till they touch it. Just like us. Amen. We don't realize how badly sin can burn us until we do what? Touch it. We know what we should and should not do. And, and this, is, this is why the Holy Spirit is important. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction that brings about repentance. And so we don't need to retell our brothers and sisters when they've done wrong. Because if they're spirit-filled, it's the Holy Spirit that will bring about that conviction to bring them, bring them to a place of repentance. Now, I don't know about you, but my wife fussing at me cannot beat me up as bad as the Holy Spirit. I'd rather her, hear her fuss. I can endure that. 22 years, I can take it. It sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher now. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit gets on your back, he's going he's gonna to stay there. Until you until you obey the request of the spirit. Now, let's drill down to the carnal mind being declared justified by faith is foolishness. But to the one walking in the spirit, it becomes a glorious revelation worthy of celebration. Amen. I, I believe I believe in my soul that a grateful people are worshiping people. When you really get it, nobody has to pump you or prime you to worship God. Nobody, nobody has to sing your favorite song in church to bring you to a place where a tear might roll out of your eye. And I know we're big, strong men and all that good stuff, yada, 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 I get it. But when you have been filled with the Holy Spirit and you just think about what God has done for you, you can be in your car by yourself and a tear just roll out of your eye because no matter how strong you are, your, your, your strongest day is a weak day in the presence of God. Your most righteous day is a filthy rag before a holy God. Isn't that a powerful thought? Now, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is one of my verses I, I ministered from. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You can be sitting in church for 20, 30 years and remain stagnant as a believer because you're not tapping into the spiritual nature of God. It is by the spirit. 
Now, let's drill down even deeper. Even within the body of Christ, there are Christians struggling with the concepts of justification, sanctification and holiness. Amen. This walk of faith is about more than being a good moral person. And oh, my God, I wish so many more of us would get that. You can be a good moral person and be spiritually bankrupt. Amen. Because the morality of man does not equal what God declares as justification. It is the mind. Let this mind be in you that was also found in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, we are not just because of what we have done. We are just because of what Christ has done for us. That, that substitute, that perfect lamb of God who stepped in to cleanse us and call us just. Now, now I believe it's in Jeremiah, but don't quote me. I believe it's in Jeremiah. It talks about how the priest Joshua came into the, came into the temple to minister before, uh, before God. And, and when he came into the temple to minister, when he got translated into spirit before God, his garments were filthy. And it, and it references, it's really talking about that, that he, was, he was sinful and it became evident. And it says that S Satan stood on his right side and accusing him before God, which is what he's doing to us. He's standing and he's accusing us. And, and by right, watch this, by right, Satan has the right to be the accuser because the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. And, and we have to understand that, that Satan has access to God. Just read the book of Job. The book of Job tells us that. Now, now this priest Joshua comes to minister before God, and, and basically he's declared clean by the Spirit of God because they change his garments. They take his garments off and give him clean garments. They give him a clean uh, crown for his head. And that should let us all understand that, that when, when we are walking in faith, it's a walk of humility. It's a walk of it's a walk of sacrifice and it's a walk of obedience. Hello, is anybody down there? When one truly understands the sacrifice made for the redeeming of his soul and the price paid to acquire justification through the finished work of Christ Jesus, there should be a can you read that last one together? One, two, three. What is showing up on the outside that's evidence of what's going on on the inside? There should be a manifestation in our lives as believers of what God is doing on the inside of us. Amen. It should show up in joy. It should show up in gratitude. It should show up in peace. It should show up in love, compassion. I, I often counsel Men and, and women who are about to get married and men and women who are already married and thinking about giving it up. And it's amazing to me how many men in the church talk about having an obedient wife. I know they don't happen in y'all's church. But men talk about having an obedient wife. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's good. That's good stuff. Because once again, that's pointing away from myself. But a few verses uh, before that or after that, it's, it says, husband, love your wife as Christ has loved the church. Amen. And so if I'm loving her as Christ has loved the church, then that means I'm doing what? I'm living a sacrificial life 
to redeem her, to make her the wife that she ought to be. So by virtue of my actions, my wife is going to be an obedient wife. Now, if you saw my wife, you would say, I doubt she's obedient because I married a thoroughbred. I'm from Kentucky. (laughs) I married a thoroughbred. We are both strong willed. We both have our own opinions. Matter of fact, we both had opinions last night and I still don't know who won that one. Yeah, somebody say, I know what you mean, preacher. <laughs> we'll pray at the end, brother. We'll pray at the end. But the, the thing is, is, is she understands that the Christ in me is willing to sacrifice for the sake of the family to the degree that she can trust me to be submitted to who I am when I make a decision. Does that make sense? So it should be, there should be an outward manifestation of inward appreciation. Case in point, what was the response of the sinful woman with the alabaster box to the presence of Christ in her life? You recall this woman came into the house. The Pharisees were sitting at dinner with Jesus. The disciples were sitting there. This woman comes in and she is just a wreck, an emotional wreck. She's worshiping. She's brought everything that she owns to anoint Christ. And even those sitting at the table with Christ could not understand the outward manifestation. If he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her come anywhere near him. Even his disciples was what a waste. All of that could have been used for the poor and the homeless. See, even, even us as disciples can really get conflicted in our faith because we're not really appreciating the outpouring of love that another brother and sister may have for what Christ has done in their life. Because we don't, we really don't know what God had brought somebody else through. Amen. And I tell our church all the time, I know y'all were saved all y'all's life and you guys have been holy, but I'm sorry, I wasn't. I know where I've been. I know what I've done, and, and I, I tell them often, I said, I'm so glad that even as a saved preacher, you remember that commercial about Arby's when they said, what are you thinking about, and Arby's will come up over your head? I am so glad that if somebody asked me sometime, what am I thinking about? It doesn't just pop up over my head, because every thought, come on, gentlemen, is not a holy thought. Everything that comes to my mind is not Jesus keep me near the cross. Amen? Sometimes as a saved Man of God, preaching the word for almost 30 years, I have thoughts where I go, where in the world did that thought come from? I know it don't happen at the chapel. It don't happen at Chickahominy. That's amazing. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a, boy, y'all better pray for me. But, but she had an outward manifestation of inner regeneration. What, what was happening inside of her? manifested in her life. And gentlemen, that is God's expectation of every single one of us. If he is doing anything in our lives, there should be an outward expression, an outward manifestation. Amen. And, and you know, I just got back from Africa uh, about a month ago. I was in Sierra Leone for about two weeks. And every time I go, I come back 
and I'm humbled and I'm also ashamed because we are the most unappreciative people, but we have so much. We complain about everything. Walmart line gets backed up because I don't know why they think I'm a cashier. But we go to Walmart and the line gets backed up and we're disgusted. And I think about those people who don't even know what a Walmart is, what it is to walk into a store like that and buy. So I want to I want to maintain an outward manifestation of that inward inner regeneration. Now, from another angle, uh, what was the response of the rich ruler to the presence of Christ in his life? Remember the young man, he came up and he says, he says, what must I do to gain salvation? And Jesus told him and he said, all these things have I done. This young man was proud. He, he wanted the world to know. I've done all of that. I've taken care of the sick. I've, I've done my due diligence. I've paid my tithe and offering. I've done all I'm supposed to do. I went down to the Salvation Army and I served on Thanksgiving Day. And then Jesus said, OK, now go sell all that you have and follow me. Go liquidate your 401k and follow me. Get rid of all your stocks, all your bonds. Follow me. Now, what, what was his response? He went away sad. An outward manifestation of inner degeneration. The regenerated heart understands that the sacrifice that Christ asked us to make is never going to be greater than the reward. Never. I, I recall I was talking to Hunter, I mean, a gentleman over here, and he asked, was I bivocational? And at one time I was bivocational. And we're not a large church, not at all. On, on, before COVID, we would probably have, uh, we had two services, 300, 350 people tops on any given Sunday. I was bivocational. I was working at a university. 60% of my income was coming from the university. All my benefits were coming from the university. And God told me to quit. He said, quit. I said, okay, God, I hear you. And I played around with it for a while. But he kept telling me, quit. The day my son graduated from the university, we were sitting in the stands, and they called him to come across the stage. He's a junior. And they said, Corwin Rodney Hammond. And before they said junior, I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's finished. I leaned over and told my wife, I said, honey, I'm, I'm quitting. She said, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he had already told her. He says, whatever you give up for me, is never greater than what I have for you in my kingdom. This young man didn't get it. The reward of following him, the reward of being completely sold out to Christ is far greater than anything that you could ever lose. See, one wanted the Christ without the cross, without the sacrifice of the Christ. He was willing to sacrifice nothing. He stood in his own righteousness. The woman was really willing to sacrifice all that she owned. She stood in the righteousness of Christ. Now what we've got to talk about, we've got to ask ourselves, am I walking in self-justification or am I walking in the justification of Christ? Amen. The, the, the thought of the, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross daily. Any Christ without a cross is demonic because you cannot have a Christ 
if you take away that cross. And we as men of faith, we have to take up that cross daily. We have to be willing to sacrifice daily. Amen. And, and when we take up that cross, God says to us, he says, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So my walk, your walk is leaning on the strength of God. And when you when you walk in his strength, when you walk in his purpose, you will find that that you will still have days that are troubling. You will still have days where there are problems. But I can promise you this. It will not be as intense in your mind as it was before you took up that cross. Because he's carrying that load with you. There are so many times that God is telling us, he's saying, son, why are you carrying that? I can, I, 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 I've got that. I stand at the door and knock. And any man who hears me knock, any man who opens the door, I will come in and I'll sup with him and he'll sup with me. Here's a beautiful revelation of that. Jesus is saying that if you open that door and invite me in, I'll come in and whatever you're having, I'll take it. And whatever I'm having, you can have it. So guess what? If you're having a day that's full of grief, Jesus said, open the door. Let me come in. Let me take that bowl of grief. You don't need that. It's a burden too heavy. Come on, let me give you a bowl of joy. If, if you're having just a day where financial problems are driving you nuts, Jesus said, I'm at the door. Let me in. He comes in. He says, you, you can't handle that too much. It's, it's, it's wearing you down. Let me take that from you. Now, let me give you that peace that surpasses all understanding, because you need to understand that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to your father. And, and, and in him, there is no lack. There is no need because he's sufficient. Amen. Amen. Um, Romans 20, uh, 5 and 20 says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Amen. I am, I, am, I, am, I am a worshiper. I am a praiser. And, and those thoughts, when I, when I read that, were sin abounded, grace abounded much more. He's forever married to the backslider. That, that, that makes me want to dance and shout and give God glory. As that one comedian used to say, he said, that's good right there. That's good right there. I love that. So that as sin reigned to death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now. We can see a brother who's saved. He's confessed Jesus, but he spends his whole saved life struggling, maybe with alcoholism. We condemn him. And when he dies, we start questioning whether he even got in. But because of his confession, he's saved. God is not judging his struggle. He's judging his confession. See, and what we see on the outside may have nothing at all to do with what's happening on the inside. There's an old song by um, a, a, a group called Mississippi Mass Choir. It's called Jesus, This is Jim. 
And the, and the story, the guy, guy's a powerful storyteller, and he's telling the story about this guy named Jim, who was, who was an alcoholic. And everybody in the community just looked down on Jim. But when the pastor would be in the church in the evening, he says that Jesus, uh, Jim would just stumble into the church blind drunk. And he would fall down at the altar, and he would, he would just be crying. He would, all he would say is, Jesus, this is Jim. Jesus, this is Jim. All he would say. So when Jim died, all the ones who came to signify showed up. And when the preacher talked about Jim, he spoke of a Jim that nobody else knew but Jesus. See, we never know what God have done in the life of another human being. Because we are not free to tell our real story. Because if we told our real story, some in the church would become the judge, jury, and executioner. Amen. So, so sin reigned in death, but even grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm, I'm declared righteous. I'm declared worthy because of the Lamb of God. So I think I should be close, very close. <laughs> Amen. So so how has the revelation of justification resulted in the amplification of praise and worship in your spiritual life? When 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 we come together on Sundays. There should always be. An outward manifestation. Of the glory of God in our lives. And 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 I'm in a room full of men and I don't mind saying this and I'll say it, I'll say it in front of any man. The man should lead it. The man should lead it. There, there is nothing more powerful than a man who enters God's house leading his family and a man who leads his family in worship. Nothing more powerful. Nothing more powerful than brothers who can come together and lay down all of their bravado Lay down all of those egos, lay down all of those accolades and those worldly acquirements that, that we've gotten, that we stand on. Because, gentlemen, when we stand before him, none of that's coming with us. It does not matter who you were on this earth. It does not matter what you have done, how much money you acquired, whatever title you had. You are going to stand before him naked. And he's going to say, why should I let you in? A man who will worship God is one of the most powerful men walking the planet. A man who is humble enough to recognize that he is a source far greater than me. He is, he is, he is the potter and I am the clay. Amen. Worship is a requirement. Read your Bible. So, so when we men stand in a worship setting and we're stone faced and the Holy Spirit is coming through and he's checking each tree for fruit and there's no outward manifestation, he moves on by. Can you recognize an area in your personal life where justification has changed your world view? This is most critical. Because if, if we do not allow 
justification, sanctification, and holiness to change who we are, our world's not going to change. We can, the, the saddest thing for me, and I'm going to leave, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit down. The saddest thing in my heart is to know that we believers have the answer and we keep letting the world spin out of control. We should be speaking up. We have the answer. We should be taking a stand because it's, it's called the sacrifice. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And, 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 and when Jesus took up that cross, man, he took up that cross and carried it past people, watch this, who a few days earlier wanted to make him a king. Now he came in Jerusalem and they were waving palm branches, laying down their coats. Hosanna in the highest, make him the king. When he came out of Jerusalem, he had a cross on his back and those same people said crucify him. You can't be a people pleaser because the people that you're trying to please, the moment you don't please them, guess what they will do? Crucify you. So you might as well be a God pleaser. You might as well be a God chaser. Because as you chase him, amen, he's going to make sure that you'll be okay. As you walk in his righteousness, his justification, being led by the powerful Holy Spirit, God, God says, you know what? That's my son. And I'm pleased in how he's walking. I'm pleased in how he's living because he understands that what he's walking in is not any strength or grace or justification of his own. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on the Williamsburg Friday Men's Breakfast, please visit wcchapel.org slash mensbreakfast. I hope you'll join us again for our next installment in our study of the Book of Romans. Until then, know that you have been set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless and have a great week.